ready to sell some porn to kids. <laughs> Woo! Hello and welcome yet again to Is This Anime? I'm your anime expert, Jack Metcalf. And I'm the guy who doesn't know anything about anime, Malcolm Cloud. And joining us once again is our lovely editor, Sasha Husband. Ah, hey. Hey, guys. How are you? So, Sasha, you fi- we finally get to do Cowboy Bebop with you. Um, I remember Malcolm... Um, you know, we were going to do this miniseries and all that, uh, because for those just showing in, we're, we're continuing our miniseries with Cowboy Bebop. It's a six week miniseries alternating between this and standalone episodes. It's a really good time. What was it? Sasha, you really wanted to cover Bebop and we need guests. So obviously the door was open for you. Glad I could oblige. Uh, I'm always happy to rewatch Cowboy Bebop. It's like comfort food. It's like a, a warm hug on a cold day. I will revisit it whenever I'm feeling blue. So uh, yeah, this was a this was a treat for me. For sure. And what's your experience with Cowboy Bebop? When did you uh, start watching it? Do you remember how old you were when you got into it or whatever? I remember the first time I heard about it. They were advertising a new TV channel called Razor. I think this was back in like 2002. Was it and... sponsored by the scooter? Uh, yes, the, it was all scooter-related programming. Uh, yeah, it went bankrupt very quickly because of that, because they ran out of scooter-related programming. Wait, it's no corn cob TV. It's no corn cob TV. You're not seeing blue butts hit pavement. Yeah, and there was just an advertisement for the show Cowboy Bebop, and I was like, that's a fun combination of syllables, and didn't hear about it again for a little while, and then with the age of the internet, I heard more and more people saying that it was their favorite anime, so I went to my mom and said, could you get me the DVDs of this? And yeah, just hunkered down over, I think, two nights and watched the entire thing, and I just came away from it a changed man. It was just so cool and stylish and beautiful and emotive in a way that no other anime I'd seen up until that point had really achieved. So yeah, it stays with me to this day, and Thankfully, having rewatched uh, episodes six to ten over the last week, it certainly holds up in my memory and in my heart. That, that's a that's a perfect uh, succinct explanation. I could not say it better myself. Yeah, Bebop is a great show. We're <laughs> we're glad you've uh, come in to listen to the second episode covering it. And yeah, uh, I guess we might as well just jump in to, to episode six, Sympathy for the Devil, which continues the wonderful trend of Bebop having the best episode titles. So we start off with this like flashback, um, or I guess, Malcolm, were you able to even process that what we see is a flashback of a naked spike? <laughs> I didn't know that was a flashback. I assumed that was like a dream sequence. I thought that was like a nightmare sequence. It's like, oh, we're going to start off with a nightmare and then we're going to cut to a small kid with a harmonica in some sort of jazz club playing it to a bunch of gangsters who are just like yeah that's music i was like what the fuck is happening in these first like three minutes of this episode so again i mean i guess if you're watching it for the first time you're not necessarily processing it for a flashback and sometimes Sometimes I don't like to spoil things for Malcolm, but sometimes, you know, you're if you're listening to this podcast, you've already watched the episode. So you're, you're here for some clarity. I won't give away too much of the game. But yeah, that's a flashback of Spike being operated by surgeons uh, for the sake of the timeline. I guess five second spoiler warning. If you really don't want any context, uh, this takes place after his uh, kind of confrontation with Vicious that he had for the very first time, which is what led to the events of the show, basically. Oh, yeah, Vicious isn't in these episodes. Like, I was like, I know he's supposed to be a part of this show, but I don't recall seeing him in any of these five episodes. You know, 
the vicious plot again. There, he he's used sparingly until you know when when he does appear. You're like, oh shit, oh shit, it's on. All right, that makes sense. I don't have much else to say. <laughs> he, he's he's got a new eye, yeah. So Sp- Spike has an artificial eye. That's the other. That's the other key thing. That's kind of what he had from that confrontation. It's it's not an eye that does anything cool. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't get like uh, any cybernetic uh, cool powers. But no, he... you don't think the power of sight is cool? <laughs> you Holy know what? It does, I wake it, up it every day and thank God that I can see things. It's a it's a functional eye. It's a <laughs> it's a yeah. I like it. It's, just, it's a functional one. You're gonna still need to wear glasses later, but at least you can see. All right. So thank us. And don't uh, and let's not and let's ignore all those fish and those water filled tubes in that fucking, I guess, flashback, which I that's why I assumed it was a nightmare because I was like, what is going on? Like, this is not an operating room. This is an aquarium. Um. I mean, if you were being operated on and you went in, there was just like Siamese fighting fish hanging out in a tank. You'd be like, oh, that's nice. And then they're like, all right, time to remove your appendix. I don't know if it would uh, set me on ease or just make me a little bit more uncomfortable. I'd be like, don't give me the monkey's uh, kidney. <laughs> like that would be like, I'd be like, am I in a veterinarian's office? Like, what is happening? <laughs> Maybe there's some stuff from the fish that I don't know gives you sight. I, I don't know how genetics work. That's the last time I enter an operating room from a back alley. Yeah, listen, <laughs> I, I better wake up uh, with like lava. What is it? Lava lamps uh, on my like bedside table, being like, all right, I am in a psychedelic nightmare <laughs> with a huge ass. Like, oh. This is the Cardi B surgery. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Faye, she eats dog food. Yeah, then I was like, what the fuck's happening here? Like, these three, the, the, the first three scenes of this episode are abs- like are bonkers. Like, I want to say that, like, unironically. Like, these are bonkers things. It starts with this surgery, then cuts to that kid playing the harmonica. And I was like, what is happening here uh, in this, like, old club where people are smoking? And then Faye's just eating dog food and, and basically telling in fuck you, you have to earn your food. And I'm just like, that's a dog, all right? And that's not any dog, that's a corgi. Corgis are adorable dogs, and they deserve food. They deserve food. Like, Faye's kind of being an asshole. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold back here. Faye, listen, Faye, Faye's, a, Faye's a bit of an edgelord. Uh, a bit of an edgelord? She's entirely an edgelord. She's, yeah. So, so my... Qu- my question is, does Faye know that's dog food or does she just think it's food? And she's like, I'm no, just not going to give food. Oh, she knows it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not an, uh, there is no question that like, what? Oh, I, I thought this was tuna in the fridge. It, oh, it says dog food. Oh, no. I guess I'm going to make fun of the dog now as I eat it. Like, no. Yeah. She's anyone like, who gloats in front of a dog being like, I'm eating this in front of you. It's not like they're eating spaghetti. It's like, yeah, I'm eating your can of dog food. This is your oh. dinner. I, I gloat in front of my cat all the time when I eat food. Yeah, I but gloat you in front of him. Yeah, but do you eat cat food in front of her and be yeah. like, yum, yum, no. yum? I love Little Caesars or <laughs> no. whatever. I know. I just tell him I'm eating food and he doesn't get it because uh, he's got set meal times because he's a fatty. Mm. So do uh, I. Because I am. <laughs> um, yeah. Is dog food in space, is dog food in like the year 2070 really good or does Faye just have a terrible palate because she's poor or something like that um i would say it's probably the same like but instead of just being like oh man it's like bull intestines and you know and cow toes or whatever the hell is in dog food it's like instead there'll be some like weird alien animals where it's just like yeah we've got you know smorgalarg 
guts in here instead. Like oh, I, I love smorgalarg. It's there, like I just put a little smorgalarg on my uh, on my tuna. You know, just really elevates it. It's the MSG of uh, of space. It's like an axolotl, but for dogs. Um, Speaking of animals, um, the, the, the bounty for today's for this episode is giraffe. Uh, he's not a giraffe. He just goes by the name giraffe. Disappointing. Yeah, that it took me a second. I was like, wait a minute. Did he say giraffe? Like I was like, I didn't want it to be like, oh, it's supposed to be, you know, a little something just like a play on it. But then again, there's another character named Fatty River in this episode. So Fatty, I'm just like, Fatty River, Fatty like, River is fucking dope. And so I was just like, all right, okay, these names don't make any sense. But then again, you're like outside of Spike you, and Faye, it's like you got Jet Black as a character. So you're just like, all right, these character names are going to be nonsense. But I, I'm going to be honest. I love a good, like nonsense name. Like I'm a fan of just like weird names. Like I'm just, I think that like, I feel like when I see a like a movie or a TV show and everyone just like Frank, Emma, Christina, you're just like, Oh, these, this is not going to be the most exciting show. Then again, there's the, the opposite of that where every character's name is like Euripides and it's like, shut up. You're being pretentious. Get out of here. Yeah. It's a balancing act. You want like a couple of them with like kind of unique names, but you don't want all of them. And I think Cowboy Bebop does this well. Like it's like you got enough where it's like, yeah, Spike's a name. You can see around Faye's a name. You got uh, later on, we were introduced to Edward. And then you got like people like Jet Black and Fatty River and Giraffe. And you're like, all right. At least giraffes a one episode character. Giraffe and uh, his his former friend Zebra. Um, but you know what? It reminds me of Star Wars, which has like so many nonsense names, and only they only get worse as the franchise has gone on. But the series' main character's name is Luke. So it's like you you have Obi Wan, Anakin. Uh, I guess Han is a somewhat normal name, and then Luke, which is which is just a name. Yeah, Luke Skywalker. All English words. Han All Solo. English words. Obi-Wan Kenobi, Dash Rendar, Ahsoka Tano. I'm just naming Star Wars characters. Kylo Ren, um, Daisy Ridley. I, I would love oh, wait, if they just threw in like another normal name there, like Anne Steven. Well, Kylo was called Ben Solo. That's his real name. But, you know, that was only because yeah. of Ben Kenobi. Yeah. So they, they were yeah, cheating. Yeah, it's like Luke Skywalker has a son, and his name is Steven Bottom uh, Dweller. <laughs> <laughs> well, Luke, Luke was a virgin because uh, because thanks to J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson, uh, he didn't get to have kids. So, yeah, thanks a lot, Ryan Johnson. You don't have uh, to have kids to be a virgin. <laughs> or to be so. lose your virginity. Well, listen, Star Wars is so fucking sexless that unless I see fucking, there's no, every character's a virgin. They either have to have a kid or I have to see them fuck. Like, that's You're right. That's what Star Wars needs. Just a long, extended, like explicit sex scene. Yeah, they they, they just have a, an older, um, an older Harrison Ford having uh, a sex scene with a CGI Carrie Fisher, and you're like, what just the fuck plowing is into her, like real this, explicit. Yeah, and this is like modern. This is like a modern like scene. Like, so it's like you got Harrison Ford who's in his like mid to late seventies right now, and you're like. That's what we need. J.J. Abrams, you coward. Uh, yeah, let's keep going. Um, so anyways, uh, there, there's, Zebra, there's Giraffe. They have, to, they have to capture him inside this jazz club. But then um, we see Fatty River. I love Jet, Jet's, like, um, Jet and Fatty's, like, uh, bro 
what is it? What's the, it's like not a handshake, but they just kind of do this, I don't know, cool, cool friendship uh, gesture. Yeah. What do they do? Like slap each other on the arm or something? Yeah. Something like that. This, this is an audio podcast. It's hard to explain a visual. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I would call it like, it's like an intricate, uh, like handshake. It's like, yeah, I don't know if any of you have ever had that where I've had a couple where it's just like, oh yeah. Um, I had a friend of mine, Max, and he was like very like insistent on, on being like, all right, we got to do this handshake. And so it was like, you know, we had a very specific motion, but like mine with him ended with the uh, the friends clap up because um, I'm white. Um, but anyways, no, I, I like that. I like that little moment because, again, we haven't gotten a ton of Jet. Uh, Jet has not had a ton to do, at least as of episode six. So to see him get this like moment where you're like, oh, shit, Jet's got a bro. Um, I like that. Jet's got a bro and his name is Fatty River. <laughs> Who, who also has an incredible mustache and blonde hair. Oh, fatty. Um, so anyway, Spike, he chases down Giraffe, and then um, Giraffe confronts this dude in a wheelchair named Zebra. And then it turns out the uh, the weird kid with the harmonica is also with Zebra. And uh, poor Giraffe, he, he gets... Sh- he gets knocked out of uh, a window and dies. Well, yeah, it's also an, in a... Uh... In a skyscraper, so he falls like yeah. 40, 40 stories or something oh, like yeah. that, and, and Spike just miraculously happens to be uh, swooping by in his in his uh, in a ship and is able to pick him up. So, so this scene actually uh, caused the um, this was delayed because of nine eleven. This episode, oh, <laughs> because fuck, really, because it well, because it has a scene of a man falling from a high rise building and a child emerging from burnt corpses. <laughs> And later, the burning rubble of a destroyed building. So I this yeah. show came out in the nineties. Yeah, didn't it, this come out ninety nine? No, but Adult Swim though. It's a, it's an American. Oh, area. I see. Yeah. Oh, so the, so I guess like when it originally aired in Japan, it was fine because it like it says on the um, the fandom dot com site that this episode originally aired on November twenty eighth, nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, um, but the Adult Swim so aired. But yeah, I guess yeah. If it was Adult Swim, they were like, "All right, we we can't do this because of 9/11." National, what a na- that's a national tragedy. 9/11. There, thoughts and prayers. I I can safely say 9/11 was uh was bad. I'm gonna controversially say that 9/11 was not good. You um, heard it yeah. here first, folks. Let it Just be like known. When- this is Jack's thoughts on 9/11. <laughs> Breaking news. Jack thinks that 9-11 was a bad thing. Listen, Malcolm was the first one to say Harvey Weinstein was bad on our Princess Mononoke episode. So we've... we've, we've... Thank God someone said it, you know? I, ha- I, I had to. I had to follow Matt's on the sword, but it wasn't a sword. It was a nice, soft pillow. Uh... <laughs> don't, don't ask uh, don't ask friend of the show, D- Domenico, his thoughts on 9-11. He'll give you an earful. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> No, his thoughts are great. I, I, they're they're incredibly entertaining. I love them. I was worried you were going to say don't ask Domenico his thoughts on Harvey Weinstein. I was like, oh <laughs> yeah. god. No, those are more in the mainstream. He was um, set up, and you're like, what? <laughs> so yeah, th- this episode features a cr- a creepy kid uh, whose name is Wen. <laughs> this this episode, uh, it turns out, has the plot of the movie Orphan, as we learn. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So, you know, you, you think the main bounty is Giraffe and you think it might be the creepy wheelchair guy. But nope, it is, in fact, a kid named Wen, who is, in fact, not a kid at all. Well, that explains why he was in that club doing blues harmonica stuff. 
I mean, you can still do blues. Harm- I mean, I'm sure there's still children who perform at blues places. That's there's nothing super weird about that. I mean, there the way like this was all kind of shot and like all the shots of him in the club. I it was kind of weird. They're all just like, wow, this kid's a prodigy or whatever. <laughs> Not yeah. why is this kid in a jazz club? Yeah, why? Like, what? Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to have an affair with my wife, and this kid's bringing the mood down. <laughs> I got to keep thinking about my son. <laughs> so, meanwhile, anyways, after um, giraffe giraffe falls to his death onto uh, the swordfish, he gives Spike this ring, this like ruby ring, and he tells uh, Spike that he has to help him because he's 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 not a kid at all. In fact. And we see uh, Jet and Faye, they're looking at like old newspaper articles. And yeah, it turns out these uh, newspapers date back to 30 years. So yes, in fact, when when is very, very old, as, as we learn by the end of it. Yeah, and it plays into the whole theme that's running through the entire series of the, the gate exploding and it affecting so many aspects of the world. It just seems like kind of an innocuous thing at the start of like, oh yeah, the gate exploded and it... Uh, uh, turn this this boy into a old man, um, but then it like starts recurring, and whenever they're like like reaching for like an explanation as to like, but why is all this shit fucked up? They'll be like, uh, the gate exploded. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. The astral gate incident, yeah. So there there is a bit of world building. It's not just you know about Jet and Vicious, although that is also very important. But yeah, there there's some good world building in this batch we're doing. What do you guys think of uh, think of the whole way this whole played out with uh, Spike and Wen? I didn't expect it to end that dark. These batch of episodes are not the most memorable for me, aside from um, episode nine. Yeah, for this episode, the the scene that uh, I mean, after after this, like Spike has a confrontation, gets injured by Wen. The thing that I mm. remember is um, Spike takes the ring that Giraffe gives him. Um, is it giraffe? Llama? Yeah, yeah. So he takes the ring and he loads it into a gun and shoots it into Wen's head. And then he rapidly becomes an old man. Um, yeah. That is the image from this episode that always stuck out. Everything else, I was like, yeah, I don't remember too much. Which is the thing about this show is that certainly in this batch, I, I had that same kind of uh, experience where I didn't have like strong memories of most of the episodes but there was very strong images in each episode that when i was watching it all came coming back like oh yeah yeah i remember when this scene happened yeah that's how i felt as well where i i think for me i i didn't i'm gonna be honest i wasn't the biggest fan of the first two episodes compared to the last three but i did enjoy well i it's i don't know if joy enjoys the right word but like yeah like when he rapidly deteriorates into the old man after being shot in the head. That's where I was just like, oh, like now you've got my attention. Like, because I kind of felt like outside of the first three scenes being so weird, if, you know, it kind of gets into this pretty generic stuff with like zebra and giraffe and fatty river. And then you've got when sort of like doing stuff in the background. But yeah, it's that final moment where you're just like, oh, okay, 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 I see what they're doing now. When Wen is dying, he he asks, he tells Spike that he feels at ease, and he asks Spike if he understands. And uh, Spike flippantly responds, uh, "Yeah, as if," and he tosses his harmonica into the air, and uh, says, "Bang, <laughs> that's good." Um, and that's the thing that we should talk about too. Like, as much as I love this show, I was I was talking to Sasha earlier. Like, this batch 
if you know I, I've, I've looked ahead of what we're doing and how our weeks are planning out this batch is probably my least favorite i would say that i'd say it's the least memorable of like these chunks just by how you've uh worked it out of like five episodes sequentially that said um i enjoyed like watching all five of them and i'd say in the scope of like other anime series where sometimes you just get into slogs of like filler or just bad like arcs or whatever um i i still love like revisiting this show because you watch these five episodes and it's like each like the episodic nature of this show it's like beautiful little vignettes that are so well constructed and so beautifully animated that I can at least appreciate that each one is just so unique and weird and cool. And even though it like doesn't have maybe the same action as um, some of the later episodes or some of the intrigue of the earlier episodes, I still really, really loved going back and revisiting this world. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, obviously, you know, Malcolm, you, you have not watched the entirety of the show, but it's interesting just kind of seeing seeing what gets called back and the foreshadowing within it. That's the thing, like Bebop, it, it is an episodic show. It also, of course, has the recurring plot of, you know, Spike and Vicious and their eventual uh, final confrontation that it's kind of building up towards. But there's also all this other stuff, too. Like, again, seeing how the Astral Gate incident kind of worms its way into the uh, mythology of the show, it, it, it's neat. And, it you know, this is a show that it's very much worth multiple viewings for sure. Forgot that this is actually in... Um... Uh, um, sympathy for the devil. There's like, there's a gay sex scene. What? Yeah, Faye is like hunting. Uh, Faye is hunting down um some some leads for uh for when, and she like kicks down the door of these two dudes just uh just boning, and it was very interesting to see that in 1998. And it wasn't like, oh man, look at these guys. I can't believe they're doing that. She was just like chasing them down for in- information, being like, where's that kid? Do you guys not remember this? I don't at all. Oh yeah, oh. I do remember that. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it is a bit of a surprising uh, turn of events. You're absolutely right. I just sorry, I just looked looked it up again, and I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, um, that's yeah, that's. I forgot about that because it happened so quickly. Yeah, it was, it was a funny sequence, and if you neither of you guys remembered that, I would have been like, did I just dream that? Do I just dream <laughs> of gay sex scenes in anime? No, yeah, I looked it up. There's a whole like with Reddit where it's just like, yeah, I was watching Cowboy Bebop, and then boom, a gay couple. Or like it was, just all that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it, well, I think that's the 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 thing that I found so astounding about it. It was such a throwaway kind of moment um, that when it went by, I was like, did I actually just see that happen? Yeah. That said, I was excited when Sympathy for the Devil was over because I was really excited to revisit Heavy Metal Queen because that was. Of the ones that were in this batch, I was like, oh, I remember that one. I really enjoyed it. Um, And also, I had forgotten as soon as it started that it starts with the dumbest guessing game I've ever seen in my life, which is people just (laughs) guessing VT's name. Yeah, there's like probably infinite combinations of things that this woman's name could be. And people just try at random to put those together. And she's earned like a ton of money just from that. Yeah, it's like imagine if you we introduced you as SH and it's like, guess what the name is? <laughs> what, SH, what is our um, guest name? Yeah. Shithead. I'm MM. Shit. If your name is SH, your name's gotta be Shithead. 
Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, so I am officially resigning as editor on anime. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, goodbye. This is the end. Uh, end of an era. Enjoy editing yourself, Jack. Fuck you. That's a real shithead thing to do. Am I right, Jack? Am I right? Exactly. This is a self-fulfilling prophecy. You did this to yourself. Yeah. Uh, I love the heavy metal Jack, music. You're, yeah, you're owed money, Jack, because I guess you got it right. <laughs> you're very sensitive with the name. Oh, man. Uh, speaking of gay sex, I love the heavy metal music that plays. Uh, I Again, th this music is all composed by um, the seatbelts. Uh, in a couple episodes, you guys will get a backstory of the seatbelts because there's a bunch of songs they do um, on one of, one of their albums that uh, explain some stuff, nice. which is really interesting. Um, but yeah, I love this. I love this heavy metal music because, of course, you know, this is Cowboy Bebop. We've had a number of uh, different musical tracks, but we haven't had heavy metal yet. So this episode alone, just for the music, is a delight. Speaking of gay sex, it was great. And um, yeah, moving on to when VT goes into the bar, it inspired me or it informed me of what <laughs> I thought was an actual hangover cure when Spike is... Uh, uh, super hungover in the bar and he prepares himself a prairie oyster which is for those who don't know i mean prairie oysters have two meanings one is bull testicles and the other is a hangover cure of egg hot sauce i think gin and uh what is it like um i think just water and you just drink that raw and when i was 17 i thought that was how you got over hangovers and Really, I think I was just exposing myself to salmonella. So, um, yeah, not the best takeaway from this show. But uh... speaking of gay sex, I also like the idea that, like, for um, any hangover cure, it involves drinking more alcohol. That's always like, oh, yeah, that's a well, good cure. Hair of the dog that bit you. Exactly. Uh, speaking of gay sex, it's, yeah, spikes on the bathroom in, in the toilet. I, I love that. It's, it, it's very diehard, uh, diehard with a vengeance. Max Diner has some interesting characters. We have these we have these characters who, in my notes, I wrote down as Mexican stereotypes. I guess they're like banditos or something. Uh, they're har harassing a waitress. And then um, VT gets involved and kind of gets into a brawl. And uh, Spike gets involved in that, too. The banditos are, are not great people, I would say. Cancel the banditos. Um, but thankfully, VT and Spike get involved in that. And then meanwhile... Um, Faye is trying to track down this bounty and she she assumes of course the bounty who's a man named Decker is this like big ass dude uh, and he has a tattoo that looks kind of like a dragon which is the identifier um, and meanwhile there's this like shifty looking glasses dude and uh, yeah Faye makes the wrong call <laughs> because it turns out the big ass dude his uh, tattoo fully reveals it's like a cute eel and he says probably my favorite line of this entire run, which is, I've got a thing for eels. <laughs> dude, dude is just a guy who likes to work out and, you know, he's really into eels. You know, I think he's probably a pretty good dude. He's chill. I, you know? I also like that he's just credited as man with eel tattoo. De Decker, if Decker were played by um, a current actor, he'd be played by Griffin Newman, who I really like from the podcast Blank Check. And he was also on The Tick. Him or um, uh, Chris Gethard. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, Chris Gethard would be good. Or if it was in the 90s, maybe um, Rick Moranis. Yeah. Or if it was the 80s, maybe also Rick Moranis. <laughs> yeah. Or if it was the 70s, 
Malcolm? Who would it be if it was the 70s? Joe Pesci. <laughs> what? I can't name that many. Uh, I can't name that many uh, Rick Moranis types from the 70s. I don't know. Maybe that wasn't yeah. like a style. Back Robert then. Carradine. Um, oh, fuck. It would have been Woody Allen if it was the 70s. Fuck, oh, yeah. Such an easy God, reach. Right. That's an easy one. <laughs> so VT, VT and Spike, uh, they bond a bit. But the thing is, VT really doesn't like bounty hunters. Speaking of gay sex, I thought she was a bounty hunter. No, we 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 later learn uh, her connection to bounty hunters, but what we know at the moment is she just doesn't like him. That's right. Yeah, bad memories, foreshadowing, foreshadowing. Like yeah, I guess that's true. She well, yeah, it's because she was married to one. Deck, Decker tries to bite off way more than he can chew. Decker really did not think uh, things through because yeah, he's he's carrying all these explosives. Um, I don't know what Decker's end game was. I really don't get it. What what was what was the end game for Decker? Was he like trying to sell these explosives or what? I just imagine he was a smuggler. Like he came into some explosives and was going to sell it to like some terrorists or whatever. Yeah, he seemed like a guy who was like in over his head. Like it was one of those things where he was just like he he was smart enough to know there was an opportunity but not smart enough to know what to do with that opportunity. You know, if, if you're, if you're going to smuggle things, especially when you're in space and uh, there's lots of things that can cause explosives and other unstable materials to uh, just uh, get wrecked. Uh, explosives are like the last thing you should be smuggling, you know, sm- smuggle drugs, drugs, are, drugs are a great thing to smuggle. You hear that kids? You're going to smuggle one thing. Let it be drugged. I mean, what's what's the worst that can happen if you just like have like a have a bunch of kilos of coke? I guess, you know, they could obviously rip apart and, you know, you, you lose your money. But, you know, yeah, you kids, what's the worst thing that could happen if you smuggle a kilo of coke? Not, a, you know, years in jail or worse, a death penalty in a foreign country like uh, or shot up by a cartel in Mexico. But your vehicle doesn't have a chance of like randomly blowing up. Like, that's the fucking thing. I don't know what can cause cocaine to blow up. I don't know if there's like, um, like does it, is it super flammable? I don't know. I've never tried it's to do that. It's fucking called blow. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, Spike, uh, Spike, he's drinking um, his prairie oyster and VT uh, observes that that's also um, something someone else is drunk, which was her husband. And then Spike, he, you know, tries to get back to the swordfish, but it turns out the banditos the banditos won this conflict because they vandalized the swordfish. The The banditos are the biggest winners in this episode, I feel, because they get away with it. Maybe those maybe that's what the banditos are actually called. But they were the bounty hunters they beat up. And they were also the ones who vandalized the swordfish. Oh, yeah. OK, yeah. It is the Memphis Brothers, which I was oh. surprised that's their names, to be completely honest. Very surprising. I don't, I don't know how that resembles Memphis at all. Well, Memphis is a very diverse place. <laughs> Never bid. I mean, their, um, their basketball team's called the Grizzlies, right? You got to assume they have Grizzlies and that the team wasn't uh, stolen from Vancouver or anything because of shitty ownership. And then the NBA colluded in that theft. Um, so anyway, Spike and Faye, they get involved in this. Um, I like the moment where um, VT is talking to all her other truckers. There's just like a lot of fun characters in that little sequence. Um, they, they go by Love Machine, Sneaky Snake, and spider mike I'm, I'm looking at love machine right now and i love the fact that he's 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 this big ass dude but he also has like a ton of just like um cute plushies yeah because it cuts to a lot of them and they've got posters of like naked women and then one dude just has like plushies around his uh his, uh, his wholesome that's either like 
That's that feels more wholesome. Like I I just expect that to be like, oh, he's got a daughter. Although I'm looking at like a still from it, and it's like he's got all the plushies, but don't worry, there's coffee girl, and she's in a bikini. Yeah, you know what? He he's got broad interests. Um, you know, he reminds me of like Yondu from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy because he also liked to to collect like trolls dolls and shit because he thought that was you know kitsch or something. What do you folks think of the whole like um? De- Decker Chase. Oh, it's interesting because we we space truckers. You know, space truckers is an interesting concept because it's just these like massive rigs in these very tight environments. Speaking of gay sex, the thing that sticks out for me is that the chase itself was like not that tense, and then it was Decker crashing, dying, and the explosives potentially killing them all. That was the really exciting part because they're all just stuck in a super confined like. Is it a space station or an asteroid? or It's like an asteroid or something. Yeah, and then that's the crux of the episode, um, which is they need to get out of there before the whole place like blows sky high. Poor Faye. She, she fucks up initially when she's like trying to get one of the explosives, and I'm just like, oh, no. Oh, no. Speaking of gay sex, I mean, I like this idea of, of truckers in space. Like, I feel like, I don't know, it's a lot of times space fiction in my mind is always like very clean. It's always like, if governmental it's you know it's like that it's the star treks of the world it's like oh they're like you know influencing you know universal events because of like you know the fact that they're like kind of military in some level um or at the very least you know on some sort of un-esque missions but i just like the idea of something a little grittier like decker just being like yeah i, I just like haul like asteroids between planets and like and that's just like you know kind of like you know, um, a low, you know, a lower to like low middle class like job. And I don't know, there was something interesting about it as just an idea that I'd be like, I'd love to see more of this kind of stuff in sci-fi. For sure. Yeah, I'd say that's actually a strength of the series as a whole because, yeah, as you said, you know, you're in space and it could be, they could be doing anything like exploring new worlds, going on some interplanetary governmental mission. And yet... So many scenes in this show take place in bars where just people are depressed and drinking their sorrows away. I just thought that was a real choice of like, you know, this is science fiction. You can dream up anything. And instead, you just have people being depressed and drinking all the time. The sequence where Spike has to get out of his ship and into space, I was like, oh, he's just holding his breath. Wouldn't he die instantly? Yes, that is exactly what I thought. <laughs> That's exactly what would happen. I love it. The the show is just like fuck it. Spike, uh, Spike can survive being in space for for God knows how long. And also he's like sh- shooting the sh- like firing his gun to like make himself like uh, to propel himself. And I was like, that's very cool. That's also <laughs> not a lot of things take me out of the show except for that. Yeah, I mean that was a moment where I was like, does this make sense? Does this part? Does this logic make sense? But then I also look at. The fact that the, it is a sci-fi show and they can kind of make, make up their rules as they go. And there are some already unbelievable scenes. So as much as they were trying to straddle this line of like, what if space was realistic? It was also, um, yeah, I think they were Where he's like, shooting the gun to like, you know, get back to the ship and everything. And like, I, you know, I've, I assume that's what you're par- talking about was that part. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, it reminded me of that scene um, in that movie, Sunshine. Um, the the Danny Boyle one where it's like I think it's Chris Evans has to like jump from one side like one spaceship to the other um, and like but he doesn't have any like gear so he's just like 
holding his breath and like doing like somersaults over to the other side. And I don't know why, just like this reminded me of like the John Wick version of that scene where it's like guns, but like he also looks like he's probably breathing and he's shouting stuff. And then it's just like, no, get over here. Like there are people who are like, well, you know, like VT is just like hanging off the side, just being like, no, come on. And like grabbing things. I'm like, oh, no, you shouldn't be able to breathe. Like you two should have just died immediately. Yeah, because he puts like earplugs in and he's like, all right, now I'm prepared to fly through space. Which, yeah, but I mean, the good news is he's got that bionic eye or whatever from the previous episode. So it's like he's not going to like his eyes aren't going to explode because of the pressures of space. Could you imagine if like that's how the series ended where he puts some earplugs in and he leaves his spaceship and he just dies like his head explodes? <laughs> Way to spoil the ending for Malcolm. Yeah. Womp womp. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, what's, what's every episode of this show end with? It's like "See you later, Space Cowboy." Yeah, yeah. Just like that's. It's like see. He just goes "See you later, Space Cowboy," and then his head explodes. You're like, what the uh, fuck? That's the ending. I actually would love if that was the ending. I know it's not based on your reaction, but man, I think they missed out on a sweet opportunity. Um. So, anyways, this episode ends with Spike uh, finally figuring out VT's name, and her name is uh, Victoria Turpishore. And he figured it out because her husband was actually a legendary bounty hunter called Ural Terpishore. And his picture was on this pendant uh, she had. Yeah, which goes back to why I think that this guessing game of her name is so dumb. Because Terpishore? Ter- Ter- yeah, that's that's a last name that always comes to mind whenever I think of last names that start with T. Wait a yeah, minute, you are a shithead. Your name is Sasha Husband. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. I'm just being a shithead again. <laughs> You know, Victoria's Victoria's a good one. It's not like a it's not like a weird space name. Victoria's like a reasonable V name. Uh, but Terpishore is uh, I I don't know. Are there any Terpishores in the world? I'm gonna if look your name is Terpishore, just just end it all. You, you don't have a place in this world. It's a dumb name. You you you're you're upsetting me. Oh. You're upsetting everyone on the show. If you're a listener and your name is Terpishore, uh, yeah, just just go. Just fucking Tur- go, all right? I mean, Terpishore is uh, from Greek mythology. I was just really? telling that. Yeah, yeah, so that's shit. That's like actually like somewhat of a real thing. It means huh. delight in dancing, and, and it was one of the nine muses of goddess of dance in chorus. You know what? Fuck Greece. If you're Greek <laughs> and you're listening to this podcast, just don't, okay? Just well, don't. Oh, man. Listen, the views of uh, of uh, SH are his own and don't reflect the podcast in a whole. Um, please uh, like and subscribe. Uh, give us a review, please. Thank you. Smash that bell. Smash it. I should also mention, as a total cat lover, I appreciate the fact that um, VT has a cat named Zeros. Oh, yeah, I forgot about the cat. I mean, yeah. And the cat, and the cat even, like, floats in space or, like, not really in space, but, like, in, like, the zero gravity areas. Did it, I, I wish Zeros had a scene with Anne. I feel like Oh, my God. Yeah, we were robbed of the scene with zeros and ein. Oh yeah, I guess it's ein. I keep saying n, but it's after it's Einstein. Ein, not Einstein. <laughs> Einstein. <laughs> uh, moving on to Waltz for Venus. Um, this episode is uh, tragic to say the least. I also found it um, a bit predictable. The character we encounter—it's kind of the lead supporting character. His fate. Just uh, he just has a red dot in his head the second we meet him. I feel speaking of hijackers, this was also an episode that was delayed because of nine eleven. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, it would have. 
Yeah, it was, <laughs> bad, it was a bad time in history for that. Even more so than Sympathy for the Devil. Like, Sympathy for the Devil, I'm like, okay, maybe they're just kind of, you know, you know covering their bases. This one opens with a, a space plane hijacking. Yeah, with a uh, person of color holding up uh, the the passengers. And what I can only assume is a white person doing um, a uh, Indian person's voice. Absolutely. Yeah, actually, I looked it up. The guys uh, who did the uh, voice was a guy named, you guessed it, Steve Kramer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There was a show I just watched. It's actually uh, produced by uh, Watanabe. It was called uh, Michiko and Hachin. And it was a fun show. But unfortunately, the lead the lead woman is a person of color. And it's voiced by the very white Monica Real, who's who's best known for voicing Bulma in Dragon Ball Z. And um, when you watch it with uh, 20, 2021 ears, you're like, oh, this is really fucking offensive. And you can totally tell this is done by a white person. <laughs> uh, it, I probably should not have watched it dub, but, uh, you know, I like my dubs. But that's not that's not a dub I'd recommend. Uh, sorry, Monica oh, Real. Was this a newer? It was No, this was uh, 2008. 2008, so. Yeah, I mean, I remember, like, when I used to work at a... Um, I'm not going to name the comedy club, but I worked at a comedy club for a few years and I I would get into arguments because it was, you know, mostly white performers. I would say about 98% white Um, and the older performers, some of whom were there before I was alive. uh, Any of us were alive, to be honest, who are on this podcast right now. um, Yeah, they would do like these horrible like Indian and like Chinese and like, uh, like accents of just like every like Jamaican, like just like everywhere. Um, and they would get into fights with like me and some of the other younger castmates because we they would be like, Malcolm, you really left me hanging to dry because you didn't do that like Indian accent. I was like, there's no fucking way I'm ever going to do that. <laughs> like, and they would be like, you're not committing to the bit. I'm like, this bit fucking sucks. And like, I remember uh, at one point, like uh, basically there was like, a divide that happened where people were just like, don't make me do these. And I was definitely on that camp of like, don't make me do it. But yeah, it was kind of wild. That's like a very generational thing. I feel like that's like stuff stopped with Gen X. Like, I feel like Gen X was like the last generation that was like, yeah, I'm cool with white people doing like any accent. Cause their whole argument, their whole argument was like, I know one like person who's like of like Chinese descent and he loves it when I do this accent. I've got a black friend. Yeah, it's like I'm a bad black friend who thinks it's hilarious that I do a Jamaican accent, um, and the, or their other opposite is like, well, they can just do English accents or like and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, that's that's fine, but it's not cool for you to be like uh, try to, to do the most rac- the racist like things I've ever seen <laughs> in person. Uh, that wasn't a, that wasn't a legit hate crime. I want to preface that. The um, I remember hearing the story on uh, the set of community where they said um, Chevy Chase uh, told cast members he could use the N word because Richard Pryor said he could do it. <laughs> and Richard Pryor had been dead for like 10 years prior to community even starting filming. That's, I, I, those are always the hilarious ones where it's just like, yeah, this random per- black person said I could use the N word. So I'm going to do it. And he's been and he's been dead for 10 years. So, you know, you just take my word for it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if Richard said it was okay, then it's okay. You should be okay with it, Donald Glover. <laughs> um, but at least it ends well. It ends the way Mark Wahlberg said it would end, which is uh, he would have stopped it from happening. 
<laughs> I forgot about that. I forgot that Mark Wahlberg was just like, if I, I was going to be on that plane, and then if I was on that plane, guess what? Those fucking terrorists wouldn't have won. And it was like, you would have died. Like, we wouldn't have gotten such classics as like Ted and, you know, or well, whatever. He was, he was Ted, the actually, Ted. No, here's the funny thing. Ted, uh, the team up of two people who narrowly missed planes that ended up in the World Trade Center. Oh, yeah, because McFarlane also uh, slept on a flight. Yeah. To, to be fair, uh, Mark Wahlberg has a great history of injuring people of color, so maybe he would have actually done a very good job on those planes. Unapologetically so, too. Unapologetically so. Yeah. I, I like that. I do. The one thing I do like is every time he tries to like get that like expunged from his record, uh, everyone is like, fuck you, Mark Wahlberg. You can't do that. We're not letting you do that. And he's like, fine, I won't do it. And like his victim is just like, can you just apologize to me? And he's like, fuck you. I, I produced Entourage. Yeah. He's, he does everything except apologize, where he's like, I was young, I made mistakes. And I just want to put it behind me. It's like, you fucking blinded a man. Can you apologize to him and his family? Yeah. I don't even think they're asking for money at this point. They're not being like, yeah, the, the I want an apology and a quarter of Wahlburgers. <laughs> like, <laughs> give me the residuals from the Italian job, Marky. <laughs> like, mm, so Spike beats up the, uh, <laughs> the hijackers. And Spike beats up the hijackers. Yeah. Yeah. So Faye, Faye gets a cool moment where she uses her perfume to blind one of them. It's fun stuff. And uh, yeah, this one dude named Rocco Bonaro, uh, who's trying to get a package. I somewhere. love that name, by the way, just like Rocco Bonaro. Like that's such a like uh, an Italian, like yeah, 90s Italian name. Like you just feel like that's a character that should have been in Casino. Yeah. And he's, he's he really wants to get this package uh, to the planet they're going on. And then, yeah, he, he becomes admired with Spike. He wants Spike to train him. And, you know, anytime you watch these uh, shows or movies where a young kid uh, really wants the cool dude to train him, you pretty much know they're not going to make it. <laughs> uh, Rocco's fate was sealed the second he uh, fanboyed over his Spike. Yeah, and then we find out that Spike is basically just space Bruce Lee because everything he says is what Bruce Lee has said in interviews as his, is his philosophy of, like, be like water. You are the water in the cup. And, uh... Yeah, it, it would have been great if he had got these lessons before um, Rocco was tracked down by gangsters and uh, shot to death. Yes. That's, yeah, that is true. Where it's just like, wait, but you kind of abandoned Rocco at a certain point. It's just like, fuck you, Rocco. Get out of here. I've trained you enough. And then it's like, at the end, it's like, why did I do that? What about the sister? No, not the plant. Then again, Bruce Lee also trained Sharon Tate. So where was he that night? Shit. Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee versus the Manson family. Apparently, according to Quentin Tarantino, uh, Bruce Lee was nursing the wounds that uh, uh, Brad Pitt's character in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood gave him on that random movie set. <laughs> Although, well, to be fair, they, they do survive that because uh, uh, Rick Dalton, yeah, Rick Dalton, uh, you know, kills the Manson family with a uh, flamethrower. Another thing of Quentin Tarantino selectively just um, fixing aspects of history like uh, murdering Hitler, but also not stopping the Holocaust in that movie. <laughs> that still happens. Well, was it, I mean, what year did that movie take place? It, was it like 1945 or something? Because like, it, it like, already kind of... It was 44, I think. So, um, yeah. Uh, 
you know, you could have started that movie sooner, but uh, they didn't. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair I enough. guess well, you have to get to the point where the Americans are like, finally, like, fine, we'll go, we'll fight in this war. Uh, and nowadays it's like America's just like, I want a war. Like, let's get, let's get, can we have a war, please? And everyone's like, no, please, God, war, no. If the war ends, you got to start a new one right away or else like, what are you going to do? You're just going to not have a war? Like, what the fuck? Yeah, right. the, in- yeah, yeah. The, war, the war industrial complex, that machine is, uh, will just self-destruct. Uh, so, so. So anyways, Rocco, he's trying to smuggle this plant, uh, which could potentially uh, cure this disease called Venus sickness. And he has a sister who, you know, is blind and he really wants to heal her. But he's uh, he's he got himself hooked up with the wrong crowd. Can I sorry? I, one thing I want to say about Rocco uh, is that like he, of all the like characters and shows that we've covered who are supposed to be like younger, like he's like 21. I feel like he's actually like one of the only ones that actually acts his age. Yes. Like Rocco feels like, oh, yeah, this kid is like, you know, 21. Like it's like he's just mature enough that he's like doing things. But he definitely feels like a shithead who like he wouldn't have like because of some life choices. He's obviously not like going to university or whatnot. But it's like I could totally have seen him like just be like a bit of a shithead at like a, some random fraternity on some random like university planet. Like it just yeah. feels like he feels that way. Whereas like Spike, who's only a couple years older, feels like he's like in his 40s. <laughs> yeah, because he has that sort of youthful energy of just getting in way over his head and finding himself in really difficult situations, which as a young person, you are naive enough to engage with. But as an older person, as Spike is, sees kind of that path and is like, you don't want to get involved with this. And that's kind of what Spike says leading up to him training him, where he's like, no, I'm not going to be your teacher. And then he teaches him some martial arts, and then he gets uh, shot through the heart. But right right before that, um, he actually does use one of Spike's moves, and it, it you know he's able to knock the goon to the ground. And uh, then he makes the mistake of turning his back and giving Spike a thumb up. And uh, yeah, when when you're in that situation, you you can't waste time on that shit. Shot dead. Poor poor Rocco. Um, I feel bad for the sister most of all, man. That ending is fucking tragic. Oh, and the fact that like the um the plant he's carrying also gets smashed to the ground too, and you're just like, oh fuck, this is just a terrible ending overall. Yeah, the wilting of that plant as fast as it did. It like obviously like has shades from like Sympathy of a Devil, where like when is, you know, as he wilts away to being like a young boy to like this old old man. It was just like, oh, like these are both like they they're all kind of like these bad endings. Like Decker dies in the previous episode, you know, and here it's like Rocco's dead and like this his sister, I think Stella. Stella! Um, he, you know, she's like still blind. Although she's just like, yeah, you get used to it pretty quickly. <laughs> like I do, I do appreciate that she's like, you know, can handle herself as a blind woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, uh, Spike, he he goes to visit Stella, and you know, she's like, oh, where is he? Is he is he coming back? And he tells her tells her what happened, and yeah, she gets pretty down on herself about who Rocka was, but. Then Spike tells her that he knows better than anyone that he that she knows better than anyone that he was a terrific guy. Um, Rocco, he, he meant well, but he also got himself involved with shady people. Which I mean, don't we all? Yeah, it seems like she, the reason he even got involved with like Joe and his gang was to 
provide for his blind sister. Because it seems like they're orphaned. Like, it doesn't seem like they have parents. Like, it just seems like it's like those two and against the world. Not even the world. Them against the universe. Yeah, because uh, they're living in, like, a dilapidated ship, I feel like, um, in the middle of the desert. So, like, they don't have a lot. And they're just, like, kind of squatting. So, um, yeah, I can see the desperation in him and the idealism of, like, oh, I'll... I'll do some bad things, but it's all for a good cause, which is ultimately his undoing. Oh, and before I mention, I really enjoyed the Tom and Jerry parody during the uh, in-flight movie at the very beginning. That was fun. Oh, yeah, that was fun. I, I wasn't expecting that. I was like, ah, all right, that's kind of cool. Played for adults, too. Jamming with Edward. Jamming with Edward is a good fucking episode. That's what Love I'll it. say. This, Love this it. is a good one. This is a good one. Malcolm, uh. How did you react to how did you react to Radical Edward? Because this is the character who uh I've I've been waiting for you to to uh discover Ed because you know when when you're talking about the archetypes of the show, you know, Spike's, you know, the cool ass bounty hunter, you know, Jed is, you know, kind of the older guy who's, you know, kind of the tech dude, kind of the dad of the crew, you know. Yeah, well well, my favorite thing is is like once because like I'll just gonna jump to the end of this episode because once ever everyone should know who Edward is, is um yeah, is that like I I love that he like uh Spike just talks of Jed. He's like, what the f-? you know, he's basically like, what's going on? Like, there's the three things I hate the most in this world: women with attitude, dogs, and children. <laughs> and all three of them are on the ship right now. Uh, and I was just like, that's kind of funny. Um and, that, and that's when you know the show is now the, the cast is complete. That's right. I kind of expected almost Rocco to join. Like, obviously he dies, but like, I was just like, oh, but I liked that the very next episode, like Edward's there. And I also loved the, like, uh, them, like the random people being interviewed, talking about. Oh, that's so fun. I wrote it all down. Uh, yeah, yeah talking about the Edward and like the theories. Uh, it just like also mixed with like Edward, just this like, you know, she's just kind of going around being like, like, she's just like having fun though, like, She's actually controlling like very real like drones that are destroying things. But in her mind, it's like a game. Yeah, because without that, like Ed is just kind of an irritating kid, but she has so much agency in this show. And even though she is kind of like all over the place, there's something really compelling about amidst all of these super depressed characters, a child who can seemingly hack into any computer system or any network, I guess, and just has like the ability to do so much, just makes me so curious about how she got to be where she is and how she is like, like acting this way in the world. I don't know. Like every time Edward is on screen, there's just like a big goofy smile across my face of like, yeah, this is what I love about the show. Yeah, Edward is great, and also like you know, she, is she, she, they, like the character is like arguably non-binary because um. I think even Wantanabe has said so as much. Uh, his exact quote is, um, Ed's gender is meaningless. We don't need it. That. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But I think it's all about like how how she would identify. And like she has referred to herself as that. But like I think, it, yeah, as you said, it's like kind of secondary to everything else she has going on in her life. Yeah, and also like for, again, something from 1998 is like, yeah, pretty, you know, to have a character who we would now refer to as non-binary. And I I would assume the live action show would probably have that be the case. Yeah, they haven't announced who Edward's going to be played by. So I assume, I'm curious if they've got Edward showing up in this first season of the Netflix show. 
Yeah, I mean, that character is tough, is going to be a, a tall order to do in live action. Probably going to be Millie Bobby Brown from four years ago. Well, I mean, if you can find the next Millie Bobby Brown, but uh, that's, hey, that, that would be a win. But we'll see. Um, but yeah, no, it's, yeah, because like, I'm trying to like, what you wrote, said you wrote down, like what the news, uh, those people were saying. Yeah, I'll, I'll get to, to those. It's, we're, we're kind of jumping around. We haven't even ta- talked about the opening of the episode. Right. Uh, which focuses on this like orbital laser, which reminded me a lot of the orbital laser in Akira. But uh, this one's a sentient orbital laser, which instantly makes it cooler. Yeah, and it's also just like making really cool um, carvings into the Earth um, in the shapes of like... What culture is that from? Was that from like a South American um, culture where they like carved animals into the ground? Well, it's aliens, obviously, as as everybody knows. You're right, it's aliens. It's all it's aliens. <laughs> what's the uh what's the laser called? Uh NPU. NPU. Well yeah, NPU obviously has of course like a lot of vibes uh similar to to Hal from two thousand one a space odyssey. So I mean it is a sentient like robot almost. It's a sentient robot that talks and uh it gets a nice little face. It tries to kill people. Is it really though? Is it really it's yeah, making it, art? It turned all of its lasers on Spike as he was trying to approach uh approach the um the satellite well he was also you know spike was you know trying to trying to get it so you know that wasn't very nice of spike he was just trying to make art still trying to kill <laughs> you can kill anyone that gets in between you and your art is the takeaway from this episode it's self-defense uh <laughs> uh but yeah and ed ed is like you know our first introduction to ed uh she they they're wearing um these cool like cyberspace goggles what what do you think about that just first image of Ed, like before you even realized she was going to be a crew member, uh, Malcolm? Yeah, I mean, it's it looked fun. Like it was like I would was going to be surprised if um, she was the bounty, like because that's what I kind of viewed it as. Like I was like, oh, she's going to be like the like the bounty, like. But like, they also don't realize that she's a child, so it's just like this weird thing where I'm like, oh, is this like you know maybe a, like a teaser for something where it's like you know this child's playing, destroying everything. And then like a dad comes in and goes like, you know, what are you doing? Uh, like stop that or whatever. So I wasn't sure what to expect to be completely honest. Yeah. So, so the news anchor, they revealed that there's this like 8 million Wulong bounty on whoever's responsible for hacking into the satellite and causing them to create all this stuff. And we, we get this fun sequence of just like who the hacker could be. Uh, um, Faye, Faye says it must be an otaku with uh, smelly feet. This is her exact quote is hackers are nerdy, pasty, tubby little geeks with triple thick glasses. And this one is probably a dementia otaku with smelly feet. So catching him will be a breeze. So yeah, Faye, Faye and Jet, they have to go investigate. Also like the Earth. <laughs> this is also the first time we even see the Earth and the Earth fucking sucks. <laughs> no one seems to like like it. I mean, right now the Earth kind of sucks. I mean, it does in, in present times too. I don't want to live on this planet anymore. Uh, it's all the fires. I don't want to be around anymore. I, I, we're not going to do it. I don't even <laughs> want to be around anymore. Jet even, specifically, Jet even specifically says nothing good comes from Earth anymore. <laughs> yeah, like it does feel like it's, you know, Earth is, yeah, like once everyone kind of got out of, got out of, off the planet, it seemed like people were just like, yeah, I don't need to come back. And then, yeah, Ed, Ed has this confrontation with the cops where she actually uh, hijacks their, like, aircraft, which uh, which also plays off at the end of the episode. I thought that was a fun sequence. And then she disappears into garbage. <laughs> so according to these locals that uh, Jed and Faye are talking to, Ed is seven feet tall, a basketball player, a Hindu, 
a three-year-old, a drag queen, or an alien. Which is really what we all aspire to. Yeah, the the drag queen uh, line was very funny because I kind of was like, I felt like they were trying to hint that like, oh, like, yeah, the Edward was trans. Because I think that woman says like, you know, uh, drag queen who had that surgery. Like, that's that was the actual line. And I was like, what? <laughs> So Faye, when she when she gets in contact with Edward, uh, she promises that uh, she could join the crew. But of course, uh, Faye, Faye being the shithead that she is, uh, she she doesn't expect to keep this promise. And um, I like Ed's relationship with the satellite where like she does like tell uh, the satellite she can just make a copy of it. Mm-hmm. And still keep it the same. And then, yeah, I can just make a copy and give it to them and no one will be the wiser. And, and like you said, this uh, satellite is like um hal 9000 but uh it's just lonely which i think is what hal 9000 wanted that whole time just a friend Mm -hmm. that was the takeaway we just need a little more friendship in our lives and until then i'm gonna point my lasers at the earth and shoot high-powered ballistic lasers and carve out uh little little animal friends into the uh into the ground yeah you you better watch out earth we're coming. Oh, all right, that bit didn't work. Yeah, um, that's staying in, baby. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, uh, MPU the uh, the computer. You know, they managed to make it work. Uh, and then, yeah, we get this part. This is the fun part where you know the Bebop crew is planning on uh, just you know fucking off and not bringing Edward. But uh, too bad for them. Ed Ed is able to control their ship, and it's like, sorry guys, I'm taking along. And at the same time, they find out that they can't collect the bounty because the bounty is not a human being. That was fucking hilarious. I love that bit because I'm like, oh, sweet. Are the Bebop, the Bebop crew? They finally did it right. Uh, they finally got their bounty, but technicality screwed them out of it. And it just ends with Spike pissed off, which <laughs> is like one of my favorite types of Spike, I feel like. Yeah, it's uh, it's again, poor, poor Bebop crew. Moving on, uh, Jet episode, Ganymede Elegy. I don't know, I was, I was excited. I knew going in we were getting a Jet episode. Maybe, maybe it was just too, too much TV watching. I don't know, I, I kind of I felt disappointed by this one. This one was fine. I mean, like, it, was very, it was very character-focused, and like, I think if they were going to do that, they should have leaned into it harder and just made it a very, very slow episode. But I don't know, I thought they dressed it up as like more action-oriented, which I think is like what the show is most of the time but yeah the fact that so much of it is like jet and his problems holding on to the past and how for him he's kind of stuck in all of the disappointments of his life that could have been like a really beautiful just dialogue episode where it's just him and his ex going back and forth and talking and instead it becomes a big like action-filled shootout sequence which that's what a lot of people are there for the episode for these episodes for. But yeah, the ending, I feel like it could have been done in like a number of different ways. It could have been a little bit more poignant. I think the one thing with this episode that I did like was that this was kind of more jet focused. Like I, I, we're talking still about Ganymede allergy, right? So yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I did appreciate that element and we're getting more of jets backstory and that like, Oh, he's got this like former love interest. Um, Alyssa, I think it's where I, which I liked. I like this like thing of like, oh, Jet had a life before joining Spike on this ship. 
mm-hmm. but at the same time, yeah, it was just, I don't know, just like this episode didn't hit the way I thought it was going to hit. It no, was just I like, mean, kind of like, I don't know, like even the ending f- kind of felt like a bit of like a weird ending with like, and we're just going to jump around, I assume, for this episode. Yeah. Sure. Um, where it was just like, he, you know, obviously at the end, it's like Alyssa and Rent, and like Alyssa basically tells Jet, like, you know, I wanted to make my mistakes. That's why I could never be with you. Is that like you knew everything before? Like we could even like do like do anything. I was just latching on to you. Like that's how I, you know that's how she felt. But at the same time, he was just like, I still have to like take your boyfriend in because like if it's not me who does it, someone else is, and like there's a chance you two may die. Um, and like I don't know, it was just like there's something that could have been deeper with that. But then, like, just as that happens and it looks like he's going to let them go, it's, like, cuts to, like, all the cops around them and, like, Rince being hauled to jail. I was like, oh, all right. And then he just, like, throws that. I don't know what he was throwing. I forget. It's the the watch. It's a pocket watch that was broken, that he broke at the moment where he discovered that she had left him. So, like, he was stuck in that time uh, uh, when he was just, like, distraught. And I guess that was why, like, that was the symbolism there. And then he's, like, finally letting go of the past. But, yeah, again. And also, this is just, like, a formula that has been done already a bunch in the first couple episodes of... The confrontation itself um, reminded me a ton of the first episode. And not in a great way, where I was just like, okay, well... Yeah, at least it didn't end as badly (laughs) as that first episode did. But I think this is one of the... As much as I like Jet as a character and I was excited uh, for for the debut of the first Jet episode, uh, kind of a disappointment. I'm not going to lie. All right, then. Uh, speaking of gay sex, it's time to move on to our favorite segment, the the REO Speedwagon segment. Uh, cue, cue the music, folks. Uh, Allow me to elucidate ya. The name is Robert E.O. Speedwagon. Um, Alright, for those just joining in, I don't know why you would join in on this. If this is the first episode you're listening to, which is week two of Cowboy Bebop, uh, let us know. Let us know. What, what is it like to... Have your very first is this anime episode B week two of an ongoing miniseries. But um, just for the sake of it, maybe you haven't listened in a while. The Speedwagon is our favorite supporting character of this batch of episodes. I'll go first. My my Speedwagon was going to be Fatty River, but it's Love Machine because uh, I I just love Love Machine's vibes. Uh, you know, he's a he's a big, big black dude with um with an awesome setup and his, his awesome trucker setup. He's got all these plushies and then, you know, a cute, cute bikini girl too. So, you know what people, people who like plushies can also be, you know, big heterosexual men. So, you know, that's positivity. Really like how you led that with, he's just a big black dude. And I was like, <laughs> I am so curious where you're going to go with this. <laughs> Especially because they, you started this segment off with, speaking of gay sex. Uh, <laughs> and he's, hey, he's heterosexual. He's heterosexual. So, Well, we never know. Or maybe, um, maybe well, he could, he, could, he could be bi. Or maybe maybe he just, you know, maybe he's just I mean, friends with that girl. He does have the coffee girl, like, poster uh, in the yeah. middle of all of his plushies. So, uh, I, we're maybe. at the very least, he's bi, if not straight. 
Man, maybe, maybe that's- we're really we're really going back to the Yuri territory. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, postulating on sexualities of characters. Listen, as as we've talked about already, um, there's this show is very positive uh, when it comes to its depiction of of various people, be it sexualities, identities, or or well, there are a lot of racial stereotypes, but uh, I guess there's more diversity than your average anime. Even if some of the, like, say the ba- the Memphis brothers are are less positive. That's Either true. way, Love Machine is a dope dude. Uh, they should make a Love Machine spinoff of just like him, like trucking around in in space, and then he's also collecting plushies. Maybe he goes to a convention. He's really into Hello Kitty or some shit. I'm gonna write the Love Machine uh, pilot right now. You've never said that about any side character before, so yeah, I'm I'm making the love. I'm gonna contact Shinichiro Watanabe right now. I will use Google Translate, and I'll be like, "Listen, I have the perfect idea for your next show. We gotta do a show about Love Machine." And he will say, "I don't know who that is," and also, um, "What are you saying that Eng- that Japanese is not very good?" He'll be like, I, I told you to stop calling this number. I'm just so this this went to so many weird this is this is the most I was gonna I was also gonna say that love machine for a little bit and then I was like, Oh, maybe it's the man with eel tattoo, but like he's like he, he doesn't really do anything. Um, I mean, dude, love machine does less than eel tattoo. Love machine is literally in one shot. <laughs> yeah, but he gets his whole name. He gets to be you know I mean like this that episode? Sorry, just like the heavy metal queen episode. There's so many great character names because you've got like Love Machine, you got Man with Eel Tattoo, you've got uh, Sneaky Snake. We didn't That's even right. talk about Sneaky Snake and Spider Mike. Um, oh, here's here's another thing. Like this is a thing from Heavy Metal Queen that I forgot. But the brand because they like do off brands of like real world like. IRL brands just uh, tweaking them to make them fit into the universe. And the brand of gin that uh, Spike puts into his prairie oyster is called Boof Eater. (laughs) (laughs) Which I don't know if it had that connotation back in uh, 1998, but my God, 2021, it means a very different thing. Oh, man. You know know what boofing is, guys? You're going to turn this into Boofcast? I mean, yes. listen, uh, based on uh, your actual name, uh, you, I know you how much you love boofing. Oh, you got me. You got me again. <laughs> wait, wait, no. Shithead doesn't mean anything to do with boofing because boofing is just shoving um, cocaine up your butt, isn't it? Where do you think shit comes from? Your, your butt. butt. But what about the, the head? Well, now you're boof boy. Um, uh, God boof damn it. boy 420. Um, uh, but yeah, I guess Coffee Girl is just uh, it's just a play on Coffee Boss or Boss Coffee. Um, so, fuck, I want to say Edward just because of her frequency in the show as a whole. Because as much as she is a main cast member, uh, oftentimes Edward is just kind of hanging out in the background or doing something completely unrelated to the actual events of an episode. But because she was such a strong focus of jamming with Edward, and her name is in the the title, I gotta go with the eel guy. Like he just looks so bashful when she when Faye tears his shirt open. She's like, "What the fuck is that?" And he's like, "I'm gonna thing for eels." It was just, <laughs> it was, it was just so sweet, and he looked like such a tough guy that you wouldn't expect it. And uh, yeah, he is my speed wagon. Uh, I think I'm gonna go actually with uh, someone who's a little bigger than. Uh... Love Machine or Man with Eel Tattoo. Um, I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm going with Rocco. I feel like... I don't know. There was just something about him uh, that I really connected with. 
Like in terms of just like again, he's one of those rare anime characters who actually acted his age. Uh, I did like the like the earnestness of like him wanting that guidance from Spike, uh, and the fact that he was like ultimately a good guy who was doing kind of bad. He got himself into a shitty situation, kind of out of desperation. Uh, so I feel like I don't know. There's also I'm kind of a sucker for those kind of characters in those like 80s and 90s action movies where it's just like, you know, their death is usually the catalyst for the protagonist to be like, I'm gonna get revenge now. Like that's always like. You know, they had they die in the second act of those action movies, so that the third act can just be this like full on revenge arc. So yeah, I'm gonna go with Rocco. Yeah, the protagonist looks up and he's like, "No, it's personal." Exactly. That's that. You know, every uh, Steven Seagal movie from the '90s before he became the worst person in Hollywood. That wasn't. He's just like he's one of those guys that it, you know in Hollywood circles. Uh, doesn't matter who you're talking to. Everyone's like, "Fuck Steven Seagal," just as a person. <laughs> yeah, no, he he like I remember uh, talking to a producer in Vancouver, and he was saying how like Steven Seagal had for years tried to like basically get tax credits so that he could make movies in like Costa Rica instead of Vancouver uh, because he hated coming to Vancouver so much. But like it was so much cheaper to shoot movies in Vancouver, so he always reluctantly came up here. Um, but he always fucking hated it. He's just like, this sucks. Like, why am I in Vancouver again? Like, he absolutely despises the city. Um, but then he also, you know, hangs out with Sheriff Joe and, like, Putin and stuff like that. So I'm like, what the fuck's this guy doing? How does this guy become an action star? He has zero charisma on screen. Final thoughts on this batch of episodes. Um, final thoughts on this batch. Uh, I'll go first because I've been art. I've already kind of talked about it. I think if I'm even going to let, you know, I, I know what the schedule looks like. I, I've looked ahead and stuff. If I were going to rank these batches, um, I probably would rank this at the bottom. I think, you know, the first episode, the first five episodes, you know, they take some warming up. But, you know, I really like a lot of the stuff in there. Um, next week is going to be fucking awesome. And then it's yeah, con- consistently the next the next three weeks of, of our coverage of the show, uh, plus the movie, which is uh, an additional week. Is just it's joyful. But yeah, this this batch of episodes, not my favorite. I think there's some good stuff. That's the thing about Bebop, though. Even even like weak Bebop episodes or or quote unquote weak, heck of a lot better than 90, 95 percent of anime, maybe even 99. I think like a filler episode in this show is, yeah, better than yeah most episodes of like other shows. Yeah, because our, our takeaways from uh, these episodes hasn't been. Oh, that was that was terrible. Like I really hated it. It was like eh, it wasn't as strong. It's like talking about like breaking bad episodes that weren't as like good as like you know the like Ozzy uh, Mandius episode or like the Fly episode where you're just like no every episode's still an, an incredible hour of television. It's just that like when it hits highs, their highs uh, that you know most shows could only dream of hitting once, and so you're just like oh yeah like. It's it's in that context where it's like, yeah, like, you know, like this, this the last episode we kind of talked about, which we kind of skimmed over mostly Ganymede eulogy. It's like it's still a solid episode. Like, it's still like a good one. It's just that, like, compared to some of the other episodes, it's not as good. It's just but it's like structurally, it's great. There's no like really cringe moment. It's like this is also a show that that really holds up in my uh, 
honestly. Like where I haven't been like cringing. Like there's definitely shows we've covered that are a little older where I'm watching episodes and I'm like, God, like this could not have aged worse. And like, I'm surprised like for a show made in the 90s um, that this, you know, holds up the way it does. Nailed it. Yeah. Hey, we're hey, brave, we're hey, brave hey. enough. This podcast is brave enough to call out Mark Wahlberg. Hey, and then and, one and of and us will get cast in a Mark Wahlberg movie and immediately like this episode will come down. Just like fucking Simu Liu, who, who had Spencer to take back his two, starring Malcolm McLeod as the Post Malone stand-in. <laughs> yeah. uh, hey, that's now my, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, between Keith Habsburger from the Try Guys and Post Malone, you, when you mix those two guys up, you get me, although I have no tattoos and have no intention of ever getting a tattoo. Yeah, I'm not a tattooed guy myself either, and I, I still haven't seen Sasha's tattoo. I'll have to check that out. You guys should check out Sasha's tattoo on Instagram. Oh, shit. I, um, anyways, final thoughts on this episode before we move on. Everything was great. Watch Cowboy Bebop. It's fun. Yeah. I said my I said my piece. Yeah. You said your piece. All right, and let's uh, let's do plugs. Uh, you can follow me at Jack is Jack on Instagram. Only real Jack M on Twitter. I feel like I've lost like ten followers. I don't know who these people are. Maybe they're just like people from BCIT. Hopefully, hopefully no one, no one who like actually matters. Hopefully, it's um, not people that listen to this podcast. I highly fucking doubt it. <laughs> uh, the un- the people who unfollow, do you know who you are? Um, Malcolm, where can they find you? Uh, yeah, the Twitter, I, you know, I've got, I, my Twitter is there, but it's not like active. I, I haven't tweeted, but I, yeah. So, um, my, my Instagram is at, um, Malcolm RJ McLeod. I technically have that Twitter account, but the same name too. Uh, so you, I mean, you can follow it. It just hasn't uh, tweeted in years. That's it. That's all I have for social media. <laughs> I was going to say like Snapchat or something. I'm like, I don't have a Snapchat. Um, yeah. What about you, Sasha? Uh, at husbandito on twitter uh sasha husband all one word on instagram and on grinder in a town near you <laughs> coming soon literally and figuratively whoa, whoa. all right and uh speaking of gay sex uh you can uh, follow the podcast at is this anime pod on uh, instagram and uh twitter uh we're more active on instagram than twitter but uh you know the twitter account's still there uh you know i feel like uh please if you get a chance if you're listening to this on apple podcasts uh please like us uh on social media but also give us five stars leave a review uh if you got show suggestions we love to hear it uh one of our reviewers we ended up doing a show that they covered. So we really do appreciate that. You know, word of mouth helps a small podcast like us out immensely. So if you enjoyed this, uh, tell your friends, because this is a podcast for people who really love anime and for people who have no idea what it's about. Uh, so that's the fun of is this anime and pass it on. Cause we, uh, we can't do it without you. And Jack, speaking of gay sex, what are the episodes you're going to be covering next week? <laughs> uh, we're going to be returning to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. We're going to be covering Diamond is Unbreakable with returning guest Domenico. And we are covering episodes 1, 2, 10, what? and uh, 14 and 15. Well, speaking of gay sex, I had a great time with you guys today. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me back on the podcast. It's a pleasure to edit these episodes and... <laughs> I just want to say, can we get one later power bottoms? Later power bottoms. Well, and uh, and remember, uh, speaking of gay sex, later power bottoms. <laughs>